So uh, thank you for joining us on our first podcast with the American Breakfast Council. I'm Alex. I'm Brendan. I'm Marcus. And we're basically just me talking about whatever. Um, we're all into cars and nerdy stuff like Star Wars. Um, I might bring up some tech stuff that's kind of my wheelhouse, photography, um, whatever. And if you guys want to kind of say what your wheelhouse is or, you know, I mean, if we all kind of have some of the same stuff in common, but other things we can kind of talk about. Yeah, it kind of just spans all over, whether it be entertainment related as far as like the latest Star Wars or Marvel stuff or even um, TV shows for that matter, you know, as far as the entertainment industry, that's kind of whatever we're feeling we're going to talk about. And then, I mean, we might even throw in occasional whatever new drink concoction that we have recently discovered. (laughs) Don't forget it's too. What's that? The climate change of toys. We're always willing to talk about that. Hey, dude, things have changed a lot. I was doing stuff. Lego Lego is like the only profitable toy anymore. Well, because they can go make it anything. I mean, there's, you know, you've got the, um, what is it? Mega blocks and they make halo stuff and whatever. Mega blocks. Yeah, really. I was at target (laughs) a few weeks ago, um, helping out with uh, an adopt a family thing. And I saw the Lego aisle. It's all Mario Legos. Like, it, yeah, it, I, I don't I don't get that one. I was at um a mall a few months back, too, and there's this giant line of people in line looking to buy. um. It was the Atari Lego set. And I just I didn't really, I guess, just really understand that. Yeah, I, I've always been more of the, the spaceships and like car Legos. I, I, I don't really understand the whole Atari and Lego line, but I'm just like, you know what? I. I I'll just I'll just build my spaceships. That's good for me. <laughs> well, and some of the things are really cool because they just have. I mean, they they can be models. I mean, people are gonna sit there and say, "Oh, they're toys." Oh, they're this. Just like you know how people can sit there and say that the Clone Wars TV show was for kids. I mean, you can sit there and say anything's for kids. It's like, yeah, it might be marketed towards kids, and you know we should know because you know we deal with marketing. But um, <laughs> these, I mean, some of these things, yeah. Th- <laughs> all i mean look at like legos like if i go and pull because i have that giant death star lego i think it says like age 13 on there but my boba fett helmet lego says age 18 which makes no sense so like they've changed you know to to make it a more inclusive marketing oh yeah i mean and they're making ones for like i, I don't know there was one for um big big or big bang theory i think and i think there was one for friends i'm not sure on that yeah but they are starting yeah. to get more in it like there's the architecture ones there's i mean i have a bunch of like i have ones from uh star wars the old republic if you guys ever played that mmo um that one was really actually kind of cool <clears throat> Uh, and it was like there, I don't know what's it's, it's kind of like a tie fighter because that whole game was set like 3000 years before the rise of Vader. Um, so like the empire existed, but they weren't the empire as we know them from the movies. Right. Well, and that's what they should be focusing on, especially with Disney as the takeover. I mean, if, if they made him from like their recent release would have been Mulan and it was, you know, a poor remake. Like you need, it'd be better to fill in plot holes than remake everything. Cause like, I get it. Like the Walt Disney wanted the live action for everything, but at the same time, that's not what your buyer wants. Yeah. We want, we want, we want, we don't, 
you know, it's finding the, the right balance between quantity over quality. Like, yeah, we it's awesome that we're getting all these Star Wars and Marvel shows on Disney Plus in the coming year and two year or two here. But at the same time, if you give us fifteen Marvel and Star Wars shows that are utter shit, it's not gonna really mean much, but you know, it's just finding that right balance and they have a lot of projects coming out between their Marvel and Star Wars properties. And I have full faith in any, in all those shows, but you know, it's just careful execution, I guess is what really well, comes down to. And you're, you're really seeing like the reinventation of, uh, of television, you know, with Disney is doing that. We're going to release an episode every week. Um, and I'm sure that they already have everything done. Yeah. The reason they do that is because I guarantee Netflix loses a lot of money from people who, you know, they they want people to binge because it looks great on there. You know, they they have a pretty fluctuating like stock price because of that, because you get like a ton of buy in. And then the next day, everybody's finished your six episode limited series and they're out. Right. They free trialed you. Well, right. And I. Go ahead. It's funny, like with the free trial stuff, like uh, Wonder Woman, they won't let you do the HBO Max free trial to watch it. Like some of those things, like with Disney Plus, so many people got into it with the free trial, and then it's you know there was the whole thing where well, if you want to keep watching this stuff, you can keep paying for it. Um, and that you know people are only really using it. A lot of people I've heard of, anyways, have only been using it for this new Star Wars stuff because it's. A lot of these movies yeah. are ones that are 20 years old, 30 years old that we grew up watching that if you really like it, you're more than likely just going to buy it. Mm-hmm. Also, if you ever find, like, if you really revisit things, like, you find out it's not as great as, like, I watched Cowboys vs. Aliens recently. And let me tell you, for having as many top-tier actors, like, I remember dragging my mom to go see this in the theaters. And, like, I was like, man, you know, it's a movie definitely a movie but oh my god is it bad <laughs> it's like the worst story the the worst plot the actor phenomenal and to think that the same guy who directed that is responsible for the mandalorian <laughs> wait john favreau was behind that yeah, he was a director yeah. and producer of because it, it was like a year or two after iron man and cuz iron man really put him on on the on the block as far as you know oh look what i've done um and so i'm pretty sure they even use like the same sound effects too of like the arc reactor shooting i'm pretty sure it's still in cowboys vs aliens because it was still under paramount which distributed uh all the marvel movies up until disney bought them so um yeah that really put him on put his name out there and then it kind of well, it didn't kind of. It did bomb at the box office, so it's just kind well, of funny. Well, I think when you, when you really like watch things as an adult and you start going like, "Wow, this is stupid!" Like I'm watching this movie and they're like, you know, they're getting to the point where like, you know, spoiler alert, but they're getting to the mo- part of the movie where they're like, "Yeah, you know, why are these aliens here?" Because they found out the girl all along is this other race of alien, and um, you know, after they had their nude scene because that's important. Um, <laughs> yep. So they're like, yeah, well, believe it or not, gold is super rare. Well, no shit, but please tell me that that's not why they're here. <laughs> well, it's like uh, you're gonna wipe out all the, your whole planet for the all the gold in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny, like 
you know, when you sit there and, uh, you know, like going back, like, you know, we grew up on the prequels. I mean, that's kind of why I like the prequels so much for Star Wars, because I grew up seeing commercials for them. I mean, those were the movies, you know, just like our parents, the only Star Wars they had was the original trilogy. But that's why people who are in their 30s and 40s hold those in such high regard. And I know the prequels get so much shit for the writing and Jar Jar and all that. You know, episode one. Jar Jar's awesome. They should have just made him a Sith Lord. And hey, hey, they did that in Robot Chicken. They made him Darth Jar Jar. Um, it's someone, no, someone on Reddit posted a thing. It's a picture of a, a venerator, however you say it, the um, Republic Star Destroyers. And they're like, yeah, they designed it off Jar Jar. When you look at it from a certain angle, I see his eyes and his face now. I've gone this long without seeing it. And now when you look at it, it looks like him. I think that too, like there's so much more though, like to the prequels. Now that you have shows like Clone Wars and Rebels, like look at Darth Maul. Like he was essentially a useless, he was like, okay, Megatron is like kind of a weird, like movie character because he's never really the main villain. He's always just this guy, you know, you know, he's Mm -hmm. bad and you know, you got to take him out to save the world. And that's kind of the role Maul initially played. You don't get any character development. And he's just like, he's this guy and we got to kill him fast. Well, and so one of something funny. So have you guys seen John Wick? Yeah. yeah. You know, John Wick too, the sommelier, the guy who's like, Hey, you know, have this for dessert and it's the knife or whatever. That's the original voice of Darth Maul. That guy yeah. was the original voice. Um, but yeah. And that's the issue with when you go back and do stuff though, in the past, you also kind of fuck with, um, sort of like you're retconning a ton of stuff. It's like going yeah. back through in like the new Assassin's Creed games, for example, the new games are going back and retconning. Now they're not retconning as hard as like, um, basically Clone Wars did. What do you think was retconned in the new, I haven't played Odyssey. Well, Odyssey, we're not going to talk about Odyssey. Don't talk about Odyssey. Fun. Odyssey's a shit show. Yeah. But like, I mean, I loved origins. Yeah. Origins was Origins good. was like, awesome. I cried at the end of Origins. Like, especially when, like, he's doing, like, the raids in those houses. And the kid's like, I don't want to go home alone. I'm scared. And, like, you, like, feel the flashback of when his kid, when he yelled at his kid to go home. And his kid didn't want to go home alone. And he, like, they have, like, the credits plays. He's walking up holding this kid's hand. Well, and I just, like, that, super powerful. That was the right. And the really cool thing is they had the team behind Black Flag Valhalla yeah, and you know obviously uh Origins and Ashraf Ismail even though he just got in trouble for some stuff he you know he actually was a really good game director but so what they retconned was remember Bayek's uh wife um Aya oh, yeah. so she becomes Amunet Amunet was if you remember in Assassin's Creed 2 in Montergioni there's yeah. all these um there's all these statues of assassins yes and yeah she okay, was one yeah, of them same thing with so in that thing they always say the assassins and templars have always pretty much existed whatever well in origins they say no actually there were the proto assassins which were the hidden ones but they weren't founded until like 45 bc which was when bayek founded them and then you have well, the order of the or the um hidden blade was around before then because it was darius was the original user of the hidden and blade. odyssey which is set in 400 something bc so it's 400 about 400 years before 
Origins, the DLC where you meet Darius, yeah, he has mm-hmm. the hidden blade because he killed Xerxes with it. Yep. But he, and that's the thing is they still keep that in the lore. But there's all these other assassins. But that's the issue is, yes, he was the first assassin. In AC2, they say he was the first assassin to use the hidden blade. While in Origins, the, the assassins were the hidden ones, which, yes, when you look at it, I mean, we, we can still sit there and say, like, these people. I think, I, think I, think, I think it's too, you have to look at, like, the hidden blade is so important to that story. But, like, have you, have you watched or played any of Valhalla? Oh no! I've yeah, I played a ton of it and pretty much watched the entire story, even though I haven't beaten it. So like, so like, you know, what I'm talking about where where he meets Basim and Hatham and they give him the hidden blade. Yeah. Because like, you remember like that that game is like really good for like the lore of Assassin's Creed because it has all the Isu crap in it. Well, but, um, where he's like talking to them, and he's like, "No, I think I'll wear it, the blade on top because I don't want to lose my finger like you did." Because remember, in in Unity, they were making jokes about you know cutting your finger off. Yeah. Because that's how they used to do it. Well, and so, and this is the issues I've read a ton of the lore and whatever. So, like, Altair was the first one to kind of get rid of the finger cutting off stuff. Well, he, he had his finger removed, but he figured out it was Ezio, and uh, Ezio figured out how to do it without cutting your well, finger off. Well, so actually, in the lore, they say Altair was the first one to do that because his big thing was because he, yeah, when he was an assassin, but you gotta remember, Altair lived to be like 93, I think. In, yeah, that's supposed to be long too. Yeah, and um, Ezio died at like sixty-four of a heart attack. <laughs> like, which one of them was in the library? That was Altair. So Altair lived okay, to be in his nineties. Yeah, he like sat in the library and died with the apple of Eden. Yeah, and so Altair was the one who wrote all the codexes that you find Assassin's Creed Two. And one of the codexes shows yep. how to change the hidden blade so you don't have to give up your finger. The weird thing though right. is that was Ezio. Right. Well, actually, Ezio's dad had the codex too, but he didn't lose a finger. But um, but it also depends on the sector of the Creed too. So if you guys saw the Assassin's Creed movie with Michael Fassbender in it, that set yeah. during um the fourteen. It's set around like fourteen fifty something, I think. So it's right before Ezio's born. They still cut off the ring finger. Yeah. Um. I remember. Yeah. They still did that because that was a part of their thing. True. In Ezio's Brotherhood, they did the finger brand, and the reason that they said. Altair changed it was because the assassins would be too well recognizable because hey these people who dress like this <laughs> running around with no we're missing fingers yeah and then in um in syndicate they had rings and in the um Jack the Ripper DLC um he one of the hookers syndicate he kills was an assassin and um Jacob takes her Jack ring the Ripper was an, assass- an assassin yeah he was an assassin but he turned on him yeah, that's why I like great. I like Rogue because Rogue shows this. I do yeah, like Rogue was awesome. I yeah. like how they retcon some stuff that you talk about in AC three, but it adds so much more character to Hatham. It adds so much more character to Achilles and shows that I he was kind of a prick. Realize too, like these people are not necessarily bad. Oh yeah, like it, the top part. Exactly. That's in Assassin's Creed one, two, Brotherhood, and Revelations. In Revelations, they start kind of showing maybe they're not all that bad. Um, but yeah, definitely yeah, the first like subject 16. What'd you say? With subject 16, yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing is I feel like they kind of show, hey, you know, it was always there's good and bad. The assassins are good, the Templars are bad, but like you said in Rogue, we start seeing, hey, the assassins are kind of jackasses, like they're getting in with gangs. Even in Syndicate, like Syndicate, you see Jacob killed like Philip Twopenny, who I think he was like in charge of the banks or whatever. And 
the currency like just bombed like he caused like this whole big yeah. economic crisis well and they talk about it in unity too where you know you shouldn't chase your don't don't make don't make your personal vendetta the decisions of the creed you know what i mean like where he was you know utilizing the creed as more of a i'm gonna get get vengeance for my father or whatnot it was his adoptive father which they should have had a game where he went after shay because his his actual father got killed by shay but that's the thing is that's what one of my issues is I don't like how now every game is a new character. What they should, yeah, what they should have done is. I would love to see a Biax sequel. Th- that would be really cool. He was such a good character. Even Avor, like I've watched enough of Valhalla. I'd love to play it. I just, I really don't have time. But have you seen Dude, all the gameplay? Game, it's great. Are you guys okay with talking about spoilers with like the <laughs> endings and stuff? Yeah, I was gonna talk about how my theory on Object Sixteen. So, well, I like how Desmond is technically still alive. And so I read a lot of stuff on Reddit, too. So his consciousness, because with Subject 16, everyone thought his consciousness was put Subject into Desmond. What did you say? Subject 16 is totally Desmond. He talks about it in Valhalla, where time is infinite there. Well, no, Subject seven, Desmond was Subject 17. Who is the one in Revelations? That was, that's Clay, who was Subject oh, 16. Okay. Okay. All right, oh, okay. my bad. But he grabs Desmond's arm, and people have always tried to figure out what it means because Desmond's arm glows after that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think the cool thing is the reader, whatever he was called, is Desmond. I mean, it's it's Nolan North who voiced Desmond, came back to do the role, and he talks about Desmond. But it makes sense that he was that's how he was able to release Juno and all that. Um, but I think that, that that's a really cool plotline. But also the fact that we have Basim now in the modern day because he was able to get the staff of Hermes and uh, basically live for a thousand years. Yeah, but I think that you're going to see, because they do it in kind of like trilogies, because they now need a new, this was a trilogy, so there's going to be another trilogy. So, God, and hopefully they don't fuck it up like they did with Odyssey. But, but um, you're going <laughs> to like a new modern day character, and it's probably going to be Basim. Now, would you rather them go back to... Because people on Reddit have been saying they want to see the games go back to the old formula. I, I like how Origins did it. I hate how Odyssey did it. And Valhalla, I like. But I... I love I go back and play, like, 2 and Brotherhood and Revelations more than I go back and play any of the others. Like, I love Unity. I love another game that was set in one giant city like Unity. The issue with... Yeah, it's so, like... It's such a living city. Like... Like, Valhalla looks great, but a lot of it's just open field. Well, and that's the issue with Ubisoft, is they like to go for quantity over quality. Now, like, yes, I get these games, like, because people always say, oh, they come out with a new game every year. And Syndicate sales bombed. But Syndicate... They put a lot of marketing into Unity. I forgot which studio did Syndicate... Oh, yeah, actually, the studio behind, I think... Wasn't it Montreal that did Syndicate? No, it was Singapore. Well... So the comp, the Ubisoft studio that did the King Washington DLC for AC3, they're the ones that did Odyssey. And then also, as soon as Odyssey came out, they came out with that Phoenix Rising game that's literally Assassin's Creed Odyssey reskinned. I know. Dude, and, Odyssey's so bad. Oh, it's, it's one of those things where I kind of liked it at first because, oh, it's, you know, you can run around and do whatever. But just the, like... Here's the thing is, I'm fine with cussing. Like, I don't care. But every other word is fuck. Like, it didn't seem like it was needed. 
like stuff well, like that. Like, like how those people were. Like I don't mind the vulgarities a little bit more in uh, the Norse because that's really how those people they were barbaric. I'm not saying like the Saxons were pristine, but that was a time where people were more vulgar. Yeah, I like how they did. Um, do you remember the part? Remember, um, I can't remember what his name is right now, but the blacksmith he gets married and his wife speaks like Welsh or something like that, but you cannot understand a word she says. Is that in Odyssey or Valhalla? Valhalla. Oh, uh, yes, yes. Okay, yeah. Like I thought it was gonna be like um Scottish because there's always the jokes with the Scottish, like you cannot understand a word they're saying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I. I love the gameplay I've seen from that, and I just would like. And here's what I'm really hoping: there's a Paris DLC coming out this summer for Valhalla. I'm really hoping it's a reskinned. Obviously, it's before you know Notre Dame and all that, but I really hope it's a reskinned version of the Paris in Unity. Oh, same here. Yeah. Where would you Dude, guys that... on the Siege of Paris reusing Unity's map would probably convince me to buy a next gen system and uh that game now like where would you guys want to see them go next because the big thing i've been seeing people talk about is basically saying hey let's go to like japan and years ago they said we're not doing japan we're not doing china we don't want them getting confused with samurai and ninjas and all this stuff i'm sort of fine with that and it's a it's the same problem. Haven't you noticed like they pick these areas that don't have a lot going on? Like you know what made Paris so great is that there's uh literally a monument on every street corner. Oh so, yeah. And it's and it was new enough. You know, and like the the frontier was like, you know, that classic Boston vibe, you know what I mean? Well, and yeah. a, a lot of it is that with um like ac3 people will kind of sit there and say the story was bland i liked connor i mean they went for the more you know kind of stereotypical stoic um but that's how the natives were oh yeah like you can't you 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 gotta like you're getting what you asked for and i think that they told connor's story well because you have to be an idiot to not see his character development especially when they bring haytham in oh you see of them develop as people for sure same thing with uh edward edward had like a really big character development arc yeah where he was like yeah i'm in it for me i'm in it for the money and then you started to see him go out of his way more to be an assassin and you know they had a beautiful spinoff without a wallet for a dlc that was awesome uh what was I going to say, too? And I think with, like, the open world, like, Black Flag was huge. You know what I mean? Like, as a game for its time period in 2013, that was a big game, you know? Yeah. But it I was... getting it made exploring fun. Because, like, with, you know, you need to have fun factor. You know, like, you could get off your ship and go on an island, you know? And not all of them had loading screens. Like, you know, Egypt was awesome because there was... You know, Alexandria was primarily Roman themed and you could really see, you know, their crucifixions along the way. There was, you know, these large, you know, beautiful landscapes. But like England is it's okay, but it's you know It's not the same. It's a bunch of grass. Like that Val is a lot of grass and you're just riding your horse through it. You know what I mean? Like it's not like the same. It doesn't make feeling and you, you're—I mean, Black Flag was cool, and I really did like all the the sheer size of everything. But I'm not gonna lie; it at certain times, though, it was a little tedious just to just 
of all the things that there was to do. Like I, I found myself getting sidetracked with, with, you know, multiple side missions going on. And it's just kind of like, all right, it was almost too much. Like it was, I, I love that game, but it was almost a little bit overkill. So now let's go back to like an idea of having multiple games. My theory would be the best one to have a sequel would be Arno. Did anyone, did everyone here play dead Kings? Yeah, oh I yeah, remember. I did. Like, if you look at Arno, he had the most character development. While he was like a cliche video game character, he had excellent development. He went from like being this like stuck up, wash up prick in the beginning of the game to being mm-hmm. a, um to understanding his errors and trying to make right on them. And in Dead Kings, he was trying to do the right thing. He had learned from his mistakes. I feel like he would make a great character for an additional story with him more mature. And, you know, my issue too, So, and I guess with this is how these games go, you know, in the first basically four games, you see each game kind of builds off of the previous one where, hey, it's got, you know, an overall story, you know, the end of the world, 2012, all that. You see the UI get overhauls so like AC2 or AC1. You couldn't, you know, you didn't have any weapons to change, whatever. You had four things for combat. AC2, you have new UI, still a lot of the same sound effects and whatever. Um, you can't change your weapon wheel at all, but you get, you know, you learn your skills throughout the game. Brotherhood, you start with everything you had in two. You have to start all over, but you can, oh, if you have a sword, you can also have your pistol at the same time. Like, if you have the knives, you can have your throwing knives, you can customize your weapon wheel. Revelations, they added bombs. They added more to the assassin recruitment stuff, which I would love to see come back. Three went even further, made Arno this total, or not Arno, Connor this total beast all this stuff had the whole plot twist of you're playing as Hatham and then you become Connor. Um, and then you get to black flag or ad sailing. It kind of takes AC three builds on that stuff, but the yeah, story, it was, it was copy do it, but yeah. And, and like the story kind of, kind of took a dive bomb where it's like, Oh, here's this new piece of Eden that we're never going to talk about again. The skull, like <laughs> we don't see Abstergo yeah. going to get it. It's just here's this, and, and they said that basically, I think Black Flag, Rogue, and well, they Unity. Sealed that. They sealed that that place really good. Yeah, well, they did they say kind of destroyed it. It's not really like a go get it. Yeah, I mean, I but like you got to remember like AC one and two, like the whole thing was the, why Absurgo had Desmond was to find all the pieces of Eden, and we know there's apples yeah, of Eden all, all over the place. Is, like, yeah, there's a ton of apples of Eden, and you just found uh, there's another eye or whatever. It's not eye. What is it called? Is it called eye in the end of Valhalla? Um, it's just like a crystal ball. I think is basically what they call yeah, it. Yeah, but there's another one of those. You know what I mean? There's. But that's there's what, like more. that was so unexpected in Valhalla, though, that you go to America and it it's even Darby McDevitt, the guy who he was the lead writer for this Black Flag and I think Revelations, he said like that with Valhalla it's going to tie together a bunch of stuff because apparently you hear um when you're doing the stuff in Valhalla when you're playing as Javi which is um it's uh I can't think of his the name the Javi is like it's essentially Odin but yeah yeah, yeah it's Odin and so in actually so this what Eivor seeing when he's in um Valhalla is just a simulation so this is all they were all Isu but he's seeing his version of it 
just like in exactly. Assassin's Creed. It's essentially like the bleeding effect of the animus is really what it is because that's what made Basim go nuts because he was Loki's person. So, And you see it, Eivor fights Odin within himself. You know what I mean? So what someone said, and I think this is just a theory, I can't remember if Darby uh, McDevitt confirmed it or not, but what they said, remember in Black Flag, the dude who works in IT was the same guy as Black Bart? Bartholomew yeah. Roberts. Yeah. So apparently, yeah. um, so Sage's you know, is what they're called. They essentially, their DNA is... All of them are sages. Yeah. And so now originally they were saying all of them were just going to be Aida, which is what his original Isu name was. Now they're showing that there are different sages, like Odin is a sage, Tyr is a sage. If you watch, like, the actual, like, scene, they're, they're manufactured. Yeah. And so, you know, they put their DNA in that tree of life thing. And um, so I think Aida, which was uh, Barth- Bartholomew Roberts, was the original sage. He essentially, basically the way they explained it is that, like, just like with the tree of life thing, their DNA is uploaded basically into the world. And then every so often, a new potential sage is born. But like in Avor's case... Avor was fighting Odin in his mind. Um, that's because Odin was trying to take over his body. They were two people. It's two well, minds in one body. And it was, in the case of Basim, what'd you say? Odin about glory. You know what I mean? Because that's the thing. Like, the game is built on choices. So, like, think about it. You know, when, when you kill Dag, who's, like, your friend. You know what I mean? Dag starts disrespecting you, and you make the decision if you're going to send him to Valhalla or you're going to deny him Valhalla, you know? And at that point, you know, the glorious thing to do would be to deny him from Valhalla. You yeah. Know? Take your kill. He disrespected you. Take your kill and laugh at him. That, But, you know, it, if Eivor is more of a, you can make him an honorable person. Is he on, honor versus glory? You know, there's two different things. And that's the thing is Odin was driven by glory and Eivor didn't want that. Well, and, and that's the whole thing. So if, I don't know if you guys have, do you guys care if I talk about cyberpunk at all? Because this kind of yeah, ties in. Well, so cyberpunk. Yeah. <laughs> but you're okay <laughs> oh, if I bring it up. Yeah, you're good. What a dumpster fire that game. Is. So it, well, it runs good on some PCs. I can I can run it good. But uh, yeah, so the PCs. whole point of that is that you put this chip in your head that has Keanu Reeves's character Johnny Silverhand in it, and over time this chip starts taking over your mind and you start seeing Johnny. It's the same way that Avor and Odin work, where Odin you see him in Eivor's mind because, it, it, like you said, it's like the bleeding effect, but it's because it's both their minds are in one body. But the issue with Basim was he was born, you know, Basim, but uh, Loki took over his, his body. So that's how he became Loki. Um, and so he was fully consumed by Loki, where in, it's kind of like having multiple personality disorders. Sometimes some of those personalities take over and you lose the original person. Um, and that's kind of with Odin where in the end you defeat Odin and Odin no longer, you know, kind of has any control over Eivor to where before Eivor was hearing Odin, like you said, Odin was driven by glory and kept kind of say, Hey, either kill this person or don't, but you should care about glory. Like I did. I mean, it, it's deep, but it's, it's something where it, it's interesting. And that's it, the issues is they keep adding all this stuff, but 
I feel like they've gotten so far away from the original storyline, and they're starting to kind of get back into a um, cohesive story because Odyssey's modern day and Valhalla's modern day match up. But I sort of feel like Origins modern day kind of doesn't really matter a whole lot anymore. Well, they they did the what their mistake was with Origins. They're like, oh guys, we're doing like the sort of prequel per se to to our to the Assassin's Creed like universe, I guess you could call it. And everybody was like, oh, that's really cool. You guys haven't really done that before. And then what do they do the next year? They make a game that, oh, guys, this is a prequel to the prequel. Like, come on. Like, that's like making Phantom Menace and then the next year making a prequel to Phantom Menace. It's like, why are we going further back in time? Like, we want to see some evolution. We want to see stuff building off of what you said last year, not just to keep going back. Because, like, I don't know. It's just. Well, and it's like. (laughs) <laughs> no, I think I know where the next Assassin's Creed is going to be, though. My, I think, I think my idea is, uh, is going to be Baghdad. Which, yeah, Ooh. well, the, kind of, what makes you think that? Okay, in the end of it, Basim is talking about looking for what happened to his son. Oh. Where was Basim from? Baghdad. Well, he was, he was a frequent visitor of the library in Baghdad. Well, and he was also so he was a Levantine assassin, which was what Altair was. Yeah, I think you're going back to the Middle East, and I think that that's, I think that's more what we're looking at. So like, interesting time periods in the Middle East. Let's see what comes up. Well, God, please, the nothing, Crusades. Nothing. <laughs> Which we could see more. Because so here's the thing I really think would be really cool to see would be, um, so you know how they've been remaking all the games? So now they couldn't do a remaster of Assassin's Creed 1. People are saying they should do a remake. Do a remake. Get the guy who played Altair in Revelations to do Altair's voice for that because the original actor was kind of bad. Um, but maybe add some something where they talk about, you know, how Bassin went missing or something. Like, Add a little extra something to be like, oh yeah, like, you know. Yeah, you tie his knot together really well. You know what? Be another if they're gonna do the Ubisoft crap of, yeah, I know that you guys are attached to the character, but we, we don't want to do that anymore. So this playdate's <laughs> over. Um, what if they were gonna do like China or Japan? What do you think about like Attila the Hun or Genghis Khan? And you would make both. Either one of those would be assassins. Here's the really cool thing. Um, so I don't know if you guys know Ghost of Tiyush- or Tiyashima or whatever it is. The dude who plays, so you fight a Hun. Um, actually, no, one of the cons. I mean, um, the yeah. dude who played Attila the Hun in the back or to the um, Night of the Museum movies played the Khan in that game. You could get him to play Attila the Hun again. I mean, he he's still. Well, here would be my theory. I think I think Genghis Khan would be awesome. And if I wrote a whole report on him, like my freshman year of college and, uh, you know, he was like, he's kind of how Israel is now where he's boxed in by his enemies and he like took them out one by one systematically. And here's why he would make a great assassin. He did not pillage women and children. And he gave the men fighting chance. He had freedom of religion, you know, like, yeah, like when you stepped in his way, like he would literally cut people open and put their belongings inside of their carcass and load them on horses back to his like domain. But like there was a lot of things that he did that were wild for the time period, you know, and you could definitely make that into like the brotherhood thing where it's a freedom of religion and we don't kill innocents, you know. 
So the thing, so I just looked this up. So I remember they talked about the cons um, in Revelations attacking Masyaf. So in on the Assassin's Creed wiki, they're talking about how. Um, so, because this would be set during the same time as Altair, if they did that, um, yeah. when he was the mentor, and basically they're saying that, um, basically Genghis had a sword of Eden, and um, I think Altair kills him. I'm not really sure. No, it just says oh, that. Man, oh no. But then fine, do it like Rogue and make make him a Templar, and let's play a game as a Templar. I would want. It doesn't. I would. That would be cool to get that again. That would be because they're said. Yeah. So it said. Uh, Genghis Khan's grandson, Higlu Khan, I think it's uh, Hugu, Hugu Khan, later destroyed most of the assassin strongholds in the Lebanon after a failed attempt on his life in 1256. So he was the one that came to attack Masyaf, I think, when Altair sealed himself in the library. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that would be super cool to like bring the story full circle a little bit. Well, that was sort of the rumor with, I think, Odyssey. People were kind of trying to sit there and sort of say, maybe this is going to show the origin of the Templar Order. Because the other yeah. interesting thing that I remember seeing... So, do you guys remember an Odyssey? I want to get away from I really want to get away from that. Because, like, I don't want them to do, like, what they did last, last time around where they run with something for, like, 10 years and it's just... It gets boring. It's time to, like, the next game needs to show Hidden Ones to to, to Assassins. Well, that's what they thought this game was going to do, because I know at some point when that's you're... What I thought, too. I think the DLCs will. So, well, that's the thing is people... Because that's why people were really pissed off on Reddit. They're like, this is stupid. Eivor should have become an assassin during the game, all that stuff. He denied it. He, he, he had the opportunity. He didn't want to do it. And I think that you're going to see later on... If, have you looked up... Uh, so, look up... Uh, Look up Assassin's Creed Valhalla DLC pictures. Oh yeah, I know. I saw you see um, an assassin. Well, it's him, but he's in like traditional assassin robes, and like that's um. definitely something to think about. Because if you look at like his outfit here, it's like it's just Norse crap, you know? Yeah. So here it is. He's in like a white hood and everything. He's in a Levantine assassin. It's the Siege of Paris. So my favorite thing, I have the mentor costume. That's all I wear in the game now because it's it's very you know assassiny, um, and everything. I I actually so you, you might be mad at me for this. I um I changed my difficulty settings where you do instant assassinations because I there's the quick time event thing which is cool, but at the same time I'm like I want to kind of get the feeling of the old games where like uh, you know a, a hidden blade to the back's gonna kill you, you know. Right. Let's see. Yeah, there's one where he's standing and you can see the hood. Actually, I should probably saying she because look at look at him. Um, well, no, it's both. Yeah, which oh yeah, no, I found it. It looks kind of like Bayek's outfit. I'm not gonna lie. But you see, yeah. like he's like on the rooftop. Yeah, it looks like Bayek stuff. I mean, but like. I want to know, like, the story behind the outfit, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, and, but, like, I like how it is both, how they how they dealt with it. I was really wondering how they were going to do that. What do you mean? How they were going to do how male and female Eivor are canon, because really, well, they, in the lore... Like, I haven't played it, but I know you can, like, set it to where it, it picks. Yeah, so basically it makes Eivor male in Valhalla... And Eivor female in the real world because in the lore, Eivor's a f Eivor in like 
the Nordic language is a female name. So basically, Eivor would have been the female version. Javi is the male. Right. Look, and I'm all cool with, like, gender fluidity or, you know, in video games or whatever. But, like, I don't think we should be, like, retconning things too much. I mean, it's not getting retconned. It's just, hey, it's kind of cool because that's, I mean, it's just, like, kind of. No, like, going back. Like, like, oh, like gotcha. when you have, like, like, so, like, all, like, Norse legend on Odin, he's a male. Like, I don't think that we should go, well, the Norse people were wrong and odin was a female this whole time like i don't want to right don't don't change history to fit to fit within modern times. yeah to fit 2021 like oh yeah yeah it doesn't make any sense but like that happens you know what i mean well some people were complaining about how like they made the vikings non-violent it's like not i mean yes we're always they're always being portrayed as these brutal murderers but same thing with black blackbeard he's always portrayed as this killer but even in history he didn't kill all the time he actually didn't even like it well what did you think about him like you know with the blood eagle you know what i mean that they showed like that's super cool to me that they like he's like yeah but this kill means nothing you know what i mean and there were spiritual reasons why they did certain things you know what i mean like it's the same thing like with modern day religion you know like there's reasons that people do these things it's tradition they don't just do it for shits and giggles like you're not gonna cut someone open like that and make a display for no reason Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think I thought that was really cool. They did that. But so what I was saying, so they're not saying that. So it, basically, I think the canon choice is let the animus decide. So when you let the animus decide, it shows when you're in the real world, when you're in, you know, whatever, 800 and something um, England. That, yeah, you're female. And then when you go into Valhalla, when you take this drink, you're Javi, which is Odin. So you're saying Odin is male. So that's when you see male Eivor, female Eivor is only outside of Valhalla. So like they're not right. Now, what I would have liked to see them do is I would have liked to seen them just like have it swap back and forth periodically permission. That's because like do like an animus glitch like it did initially. And that's the thing is that so apparently one of the guys who got fired with this whole big um, thing with layoffs recently when they, a ton of people got in trouble for shit was the dude who said women don't sell don't games. Sell and when they've done, when they've gone through and looked at like, they've done like, Hey, you know, tell us who you're playing as you, you know, are you, um, Alexios or Cassandra, or are you male Avor or female Avor? Most of the players were male. They chose male Avor. And a lot of it comes down to like, so I played Odyssey as both. I did one playthrough as Cassandra. One is Alexios. Cassandra's voice actress was better than the Alexios one. In my okay, opinion, like, think about this though. What was the trailer that you saw for Valhalla? Because it was Alexios. No, 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 no. For Valhalla. Oh, sorry. You sorry. saw Avor. male Avor. Yeah. Oh, male Avor They're was like actually... all over the marketing more than female right. Avor. You see what I mean? Like how that makes. I mean, and they, but they had identical marketing for both of them, but they pushed the male one harder. And honestly, I think male Avor makes the better character for the story but... that they set up. When you kind of sit there, and I, and I know that they're saying, like, oh, you can do same-sex relationships, but the way some people talk to you when you're male, Eivor, I'm like, no, this was written uh, more as if you're a female. Like, this is, this is yeah, more Yeah, like, of... when the guy's talking about using his plow sword on you, like, I'm sorry, but, like, I just don't think, like, you know, I don't know much about Norse history. Like, nothing like that, you know. I don't know how their flamboyant, you know, mannerisms, but 
I don't think anybody's talking about using their plow sword on people and saying plow sword. Well, you know, my my thing is, hey, you know, if, if you're gay, you know, if you're straight, you know, hey, do you know what you're going to do? But I feel like my whole thing is don't like even come at you guys said, don't do the whole pandering to 2021 thing. Like make one character, make a female main character, make a male main character, make one or the other. Don't try to do both because they are putting their resources, making the models for both, making the clothing yeah. for both. Because I the, want more. I want more resources on the writing. Oh yeah, and this one, the writing I would say is pretty good because they have like fifteen studios working on it. Yeah, but it's still there's still like glitches, which it's a Ubisoft game. I mean, I'm playing it on my PS5. It it runs pretty good. Um, and this one of those things where PC versions of games from Ubisoft don't tend to run the greatest, like Assassin's Creed One. I would almost rather play it on my Xbox with backwards compatibility than on my PC because, oh, I'll jump into a bale of hay and die. Like, I'll hit it like it was a rock and die, and it's a PC glitch. Right. No, and, and I'm, you know, I think it would have been really cool to make it a glitch because they can manipulate it to make it fit the writing if you do it like that, where I'm saying, like, like, oh, there's a remember they did it in Unity. They had animus. Yeah, I was just going to bring that up. The like, animus glitch. Oh, glitches. it's an animus glitch. You're swapping genders again because your DNA is messed up. That would have been cool. And it would satisfy both parties. Yeah. Or like I they agree. did it in um, Syndicate with Lydia Fry. You play as um, Jacob's yeah. granddaughter in World War One. I. I yeah, think it, just like make it a glitch. It. It one, it appeals to the people who are into the lore of Assassin's Creed and that kind of animus crap. And it fits the twenty, you know, because people are sensitive in twenty twenty one. You know, however you want to put it, you know, I'm and I'm all for you know equal gender and whatever. I just don't think like the market that you should be targeting is like aggressive towards video games because they just it doesn't display enough. Well, yeah, I mean. And like just like with cyberpunk, like cyberpunk, and I know like Ubisoft's not the company to over-sexualize things. Cyberpunk, it's a dystopia. There's this girl um from GameSpot who did a review, sat there and said, I didn't do a lot of stuff in the game. When it's her job to review the game and say, Oh yeah, I tried crafting. She should have just said, I tried crafting, didn't really like it. She sat there and said, I tried crafting one time, never touched it again, never went out of my way to go buy a car since I was given one for free in the game. And admitted to not doing anything in like her 50 hours and then complained about the over-sexualization of people. Yet that's <laughs> what cyberpunk is about. Cyberpunk is a dystopia. It's like watching uh, Blade Runner 2077. It's everything is, you know, on an ad. It doesn't matter. You're going to see a dick on an ad. You're going to see this on an ad. Yeah. And she got mad at that. Or she got mad that like um, it was basically just that like um, there's a... a a Haitian gang that's called the Voodoo Boys. In the original tabletop game, that group was a bunch of white guys that used Voodoo. But she got mad that the ethnically Haitian gang has a Haitian name. <laughs> like, stuff like that. And I'm yeah. like, I get it, but... You're not focusing on what's important. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're not focusing on the game. Well, that's the problem with, like, you know, like, content on the internet just kind of sucks. You know what I mean? Like, for a lot of it, like, Look at all these YouTubers that have, like, these great ideas. And what are they doing now? I'm vlogging. <laughs> right. Because that's, that's the thing that sells. I mean. The garbage. No, because you need to feed the masses with constant 
know, like, okay, Brendan, like, me and you really like Post Malone, but if Post Malone put an album out every month and it was hot garbage, we didn't like Post Malone, you know what I mean? No. Like, so, like, take time to make good content, you know? Right. Yeah. And, you should, and, it, and I think, like, reviewers like that should be terminated, especially if they, you know, work for those kind of companies, because, like, you're going to be doing quality work. You're trying to sell this game, you know? Well, that's I, your ultimate job. Well, and that's the thing is some of these people don't – it's just like how there was a story years ago that someone – um, they sent someone to go off and review Halo, but it's someone who adamantly said, I don't like FPSs, I like RTS games, and gave Halo a really bad review. Now, you know, that was before everyone realized that Cyberpunk was a dumpster fire. Like, yeah, I have tons of glitches on my PC. It's very resource heavy on my computer, and yet I've never really had a whole lot of issues. I'm not running games in 4K. I'm running it at 1080p pretty much on ultra. Some things I think are high, but I'm still running it very clear. Um, and a lot of it comes down to with that game, like people were complaining that their seven year old original Xbox one or original PS4 from 2013 couldn't run the game. Yes. I get, <laughs> they said it would run good on those consoles, but it's going to run better on the one X, the PS4 pro or the series X and PS5. Now, hasn't had any problem running on uh, previous now I've heard that too some people haven't had issues and it just seems like it's it's like like some of my friends on Call of Duty we've all played it on PC or on like PlayStation or Xbox whatever I'll have glitches no one else will like I can't hear any game chat audio but they can with the new one one of my friends has that glitch no one else does I just I think it really comes down to the the developer at that point because how many times was Cyberpunk delayed and 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 you know it was said oh it's coming out this month oh and then a couple weeks later guys it's it's delayed three months we promised we're gonna have it out then oh you know what due to COVID um, it's it's pushed back to to the fall now and yeah but look at I mean Ubisoft learned their lesson with Unity because they damn well knew that that game was not ready for the day one. And they right out anyways. Well, and they, they they knew that too with Cyberpunk because the day one patch I think was like forty five gigabytes or whatever. Well, it was a huge. Like, it was like, huge patch. Unity was like they were like, yeah, we're just gonna put this out and capitalize on what we can, but we're essentially writing it off as a lost cause. Which is sad because that game. Oh, dude, that game is so good, dude. I, really I, go I back still and play, play it right now. Like the glitches are pretty much fixed. Like. You can go play that whole game. It's awesome. You know what that game had that no other Assassin's Creed has had since then? They need to do another. They need to bring multiplayer back because, I don't know, the heist missions in Unity, those those were awesome. Like They need to bring that element back. You know, that's how you're going to sell these stupid microtransactions, dude. If you buy microtransactions in an Assassin's Creed or, like, Call of Duty or something, you're stupid as hell because... We, we won't talk about your $300 in Fortnite. Well, wait, what? <laughs> oh, I probably, yeah, I probably spent, like, three dollars $500 in Fortnite. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, all right. Look, ha, ha, ha. I can I... laugh and cry at my credit card bill, too. I mean, wanted those skins. I mean, I can't say anything because I mean, it, but like, yeah, but like, you're playing multiplayer and people like that shit, dude. Yeah, you know, in a in a in a game that no one's gonna see besides you and your your pets, because like, you're not gonna invite your homies over like, hey guys, let's watch me play the new Assassin's Creed. 
show you my sick armor. I mean, and, you, you know, have it's... to be a to buy those microtransactions. I will say that Assassin's Creed, um, like, and you know, Unity still doesn't run that good. I mean, in the issues, it's on PC. Like, you can have a powerful PC. I Hold can on. go. It sucks, dude. What'd you say? It's it's uh, it's okay on console. Yeah, it is bad on PC. And it's usually Ubisoft is bad. I mean, some games like. Batman Arkham Knight had probably one of the worst launches of a PC game I think I've ever really seen. Um, about three months after it came out, they offered full $60 refunds. I took that and used that to buy Fallout 4 when it came out. Even though, like, I've had games where, like, oh, I'll get it on my console first, and then a year later when it goes on a turbo sale on, like, Steam, I'll go buy it on my PC. Like, I'm like, if it's 5 bucks, I'll go buy it to get the better version of it and play it again. Now, Ubisoft is doing a cool thing where... If you log into your Ubisoft Connect account, which is like you play now, um, mm-hmm. you can play anything. Um, like, so if I play something on my PlayStation, like Watch Dogs Legion, and then down the line, five years from now, I buy it on my PC, all that save data transfers over. It stays in Ubisoft's cloud, but I could go, like, since my parents are divorced and I go out to my mom's house, I've got a PlayStation there. It's like, I, that's why I have a couple games on discs because my mom got them for me for Christmas, and I'm like, okay, well, cool like i can play this at both places now if i got it on my pc i could keep the discs at my mom's house play them on my pc go to her house that same save data will be on the console um right a lot of my friends they're pc and playstation and then they have switches that way they get the console exclusives from sony everything on xbox on their pc and then a lot of other games on their pc and i'm just hesitant like with crossplay one of these companies could drop out crossplay could die well, hey, I have this game on my PlayStation. I can go play it and not have to worry because Call of Duty usually dies on PC pretty fast. A lot of multiplayer games die faster on PC than anything else. Yeah, no shit. Like Battlefront 2 died super fast. And also it's because it was super shitty at the beginning. But now I'm like, I have to sit there and wait five minutes to get into a match. Yeah, I was just, it's funny that you bring that up because I was just playing that last night because I got it for like $9 like a year ago when it was on... It was like eighty five percent off or something like that, and now it's it's not as terrible, nowhere near as terrible as it was at launch, but it, the servers do struggle, especially with the the forty um, like supremacy and everything with the forty player servers. They they struggle. Well, and that's what I don't get is EA's been behind Battlefield. I mean, and I get like I'll still say Battlefield Five isn't really as good as like battlefield four was i love battlefield four and three um don't really like one and five is okay it's just i hate how you spawn into vehicles like you can't run up to them what i would love them to do is do basically remake the original battlefront 2 that came out in 2005 redo that and make a game like that with new graphics where you can run up to a ship get into it fly around um, or even make what the original Battlefront 3 was supposed to be, where you could leave a capital ship, fly around in space, shoot down ships in space, fly down to the surface of a planet, land, and fight on the surface of the planet. A PSP game that came out in like 2006 did that exact thing. It was a Battlefront game where you could start off in a capital ship, go down to the planet in, a, in an escape pod, fire on the planet, you know, fight on the planet, whatever, get into a ship, fly back up to space, and do space battles all in one world. Mm-hmm. and I wish that they they would do something like that again but 
and, and you know the fact they added Dooku, Obi Wan, Anakin. I mean, all of that I thought was such a cool thing. Yeah. But it comes down to like, I mean, what could they do again? Right. I mean, I was really excited. I mean, I'm pay- Battlefront Two had every reason to be better than Battlefront One. Um, that you know the one for that was on Xbox One and PS4. Because, you know, it had the campaign that people were asking for. It had the new maps. It had the the prequel uh, characters as well as the, the sequel characters. So it had every reason to be better than the first one. But then it was kind of like, oh, EA, shocker, EA is money hungry. And they wanted their transactions, their microtransactions. <laughs> and in return, it just really kind of killed the game. And it never was received the way the first one was. And it's just kind of a shame because... I mean, I was playing it yesterday, and it, it's not that bad of a game, but it's just like yeah, yeah that doesn't matter. Two years later, exactly. That's the problem. And 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 mind you, a year ago, I got it for nine dollars. So even then, it was like already forgotten about. And it's just, it's like, it's just really sad when you see something have a lot of potential, and studios get money hungry, and they just they kind of put the the player aspect of it on the back burner. And it's just kind of sad to see that happen. Well, and and that's the issue, though, is, you know, you got to think 10 years ago on the Xbox 360 and the PS3, you couldn't put out a half-baked game. You Mm -hmm. you know, a game had to be released, you know, being the way it was going to be for the rest of its life, where now you can put out a game that's half-baked like Cyberpunk and pretty much say, hey, you know, we've got a good track record or whatever, um you know, how about you give us a chance and we can fix it over time. And it happens time and time again. I have friends who will sit there and basically say, quit pre-ordering games, quit doing this. And I'm like, but what's, the, I, I don't personally have an issue with pre-ordering games. But at the same time, it, it's, it's you know, annoying that we can't get games that we're paying for. And just like there's these games like uh, Star Citizen that's been around for 12 years or whatever. They've gotten hundreds of millions of dollars, and it's it has not come out yet. Like, stuff like that. But they right. keep promising things. I mean, they've got Gary well, Oldman. I, I, mean, I don't think that you should pre-order stuff, but, like, that's a good thing to segue into, like, the automotive industry is, you know, you're seeing more. Like, look at Tesla. Like, say what you want about them, but they, they can update their cars and add efficiency and power over the Internet. Which is great until they would give you a half-assed product. And, mm-hmm. Like you know, the one issue like, speak- like Ford with the Explorer, that thing's a hot pile of garbage. Well, even just like you know how people were pre-ordering the Bronco, someone on um, Instagram posted like, "That's what the new Bronco looks like. Like it's so small. I figured it would have been bigger." Like people are pre-ordering it because they're seeing pictures. Because I don't know if it's in any showrooms or anything right now. But it's the fact they is just, they just started delivering uh, Bronco Sports, which is the um, kind of Wrangler. Uh, it's like the Rubicon competitor, or no, the Sahara competitor. We yeah, the Sahara competitor. It's, so it's like that. You know, I want I want to look like I'm like off roady, but I don't. I don't invite me to go off roading. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's the baby Bronco. So and they they um they have star production the dealership just from where i down from where i work they have a couple on the lot and i'm seeing more on the road but the uh two and four door wrangler or not wrangler uh broncos that are like meant for off-roading those they were supposed to start production in march but due to covid um that's probably looking more like april or may at this point but 
But like, yeah, like you're seeing a lot of that in, you know, the corporate world is a declining quality and that, you know, especially in the automotive, it, it really makes me nervous, especially as someone going into law enforcement. I don't want my car to not turn on if I need to get to a 911 call, you know. Right. Well, and, you know, the the thing like speaking with like Tesla's, I mean, there's so many things on Reddit I've seen where people have sat there and they're like, yeah, there's like these weird panel gaps in Tesla's like stuff like that. And like this kind of my dream car, like I have a 2016 cruise right now. And as much as you can, you know, you might want to shit on Tesla's, especially with like this whole pandemic, you know, I, when things first blew up, I didn't want to go to a gas station. I didn't want to touch pumps. If you have an electric car, you can just do everything out of your house. I mean, that's not, you know, so like, that's not entirely true for everyone. It depends on where you live, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of people in the Birmingham area that don't don't have a pump in their house because I can tell you it's about depending on your wiring setup and you know this because you used to work in electrical stuff. It's probably five to ten thousand dollars, you know. Oh, it's five grand. Yeah, it's five to, and it depends. That's if you have the right wiring for it, and that's not even a supercharger in there. That's just you know like a hundred and twenty bottom bucks. barrel. Yeah, bottom barrel. Yeah, well, it's not the worst. I mean, they have like a wall plug one. And that's about as bad as it gets. But you know, there are people that will just pay to use the supercharger because you're still saving money by doing that. Well, two family friends, it's a husband and wife. Um, the wife just got a Tesla for Christmas and the husband got one about a year ago. And so he got a thing wired up so that way they don't have the supercharger in their house. The supercharger is like five grand. But the thing is, it's just like with Apple. If you go into the Tesla, um, the Tesla ecosystem, like if you get the solar panels, then you get the batteries, like the battery things that go throughout your house. And then mm-hmm. you get the supercharger. You become self-efficient because or self-sufficient um, because like that's the issue like with um, normal solar panels is you're still a part of the grid and you're essentially giving people your energy to a Tesla. If you get all those battery things and everything, you can power your own house. You can lose power for like a week. And as long as you get sunlight and those batteries are storing the uh, power, you're going to have power and not be feeding it to other people. It's just yours. Um, well, like- something, else to, something else to think about right now, if, if you're you know in Michigan, is that uh, there is a um, there's a tax credit all the way through April on uh, on solar panels right now. Really? And it's a, yeah, and I think that also in the Lansing area, uh, if you want it, you can get 0% 180-month financing through a lot of local credit unions. Well, and, you know, the thing that's crazy is, like, getting a new roof is expensive as fuck, but, like, you can get, like, I know in California they were really pushing it, where instead of getting roofing tiles, you get solar panel tiles. Each tile is a solar panel which I think is really cool. Yeah, so like if you wanted to get like a solar roof cuz I I understand this stuff cuz I do loans for it. Um so let's say you wanted to do like it's going to be about $40,000 for your average consumer. But yeah. if you do a 180 month loan at 0%, that's only $222 a month. Wow. So you could do like a 100 a 100 month term and you're at $400 a month. And I understand like $100 a month is a long long loan, but it's not costing you anything, you know you need to learn to leverage your equity in life. And that's a great example of something where you can increase the value resale value of your home and future proof it. And it's not costing you a finance charge. And that's a great opportunity to take if that's a lifestyle that you're interested in. And, you know, I actually, this might be something you guys might be interested in looking at. Um, there's a YouTuber I watch. He, um, he's out of, uh, 
think it's New Jersey. Um, his name is Marquez Brownlee. He's he does a lot of like tech reviews, but he has uh, a Tesla, and he just did a review video talking about uh, electric cars and all this stuff, and saying you know what they kind of need to do. You know, they need to get more affordable for one. But one thing was he was saying well, how. What'd you say? The interjection here. Did you, um, I do some investment stuff. Did you watch his earning days? They want to make a $25,000 car. I know like a lot of people say, well, Tesla's blowing out of their ass, but he's really delivered on a lot of the stuff that he said he's going to. Oh, exactly. Elon's kind of, I mean, I follow him on Twitter and he says some weird stuff, but that's just who he is. I mean, he is, he's kind of reminds you of John Leisure. I think is how you say his name. Um, who was the CEO of T-Mobile, they aren't your stereotypical, you know, basically white-collar CEOs. They are, you know, kind of out there, a little kind of wacky and all this stuff, but that's what makes them interesting. But they deliver on what they say. And, I mean, I don't know how much about what John Leisure has done, but... I explained to Brendan, if you make a $25,000 electric car with a leather interior and a glass roof, you have just shot the competition in the face. Well, it, but I mean, even I feel like Tesla already has because their cheapest model is thirty five thousand dollars. You look well, at the that's Ford. Not real, though, when you go to order it, it's it's really going to be about like forty grand. But even then, like your average new price car is thirty five thousand dollars. I think the worst part or the best thing about Tesla is is your maintenance cost is nothing on that car. Well, you know? it, the one issue though is if something does happen, you have to like. Um, you know, you have to go to a specialist and there aren't a whole lot around. Sure. Um, but your insurance covers your rental fees for most people. Well, and, and the other cool thing though, is just that like, um, what was it that was interesting? I just saw, um, I mean, and like you said, if, I mean, I still feel like 40 grand for an electric car. I mean, that's still lower. I think the Mach-E is like 45 or 50,000 starting oh. off. I mean, Every single electric car is super expensive. Look at the new uh, Hummer that's coming uh, out. It's going to uh, be yeah. 100. The Hummer doesn't even run. They don't even have a model that works yet. It's yeah, hundred and some thousand dollars. They they have they have test they the car and driver a couple weeks ago they had they were winter testing um, the Hummer oh, like, a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah, the, like yeah, but think about it like this too. Like you don't have to put oil in this car, you know, in a Tesla. Well, you don't have to do oil changes. There's oil in there, but. Like, you know, what's an oil change on your average car costing, you know, because most people are not doing what I'm doing and changing their own oil. So, you know, what's your oil costing you annually versus how much you drive, you know? Yeah. And it's Dave. And there's few cars where you save more money the more you drive. And Teslas are one of those. The more you drive that car, the more money you are saving. And, you know, Marquez Brownlee, who I was talking about earlier, he in his video, he talked about one thing. And I have seen this. So I follow um the uh tesla subreddit on reddit and people you know talk about their teslas and their experiences and marquez has, had talked about the uh, porsche taycan the new electric one that came out yeah. and he was saying how one of the big issues with that is that you only get like 200 and some miles on a charge the, these people that went on a nine or a trip from it was it wasn't a, a trip it was a trip that would normally not take nine hours, but they had to keep stopping to charge their car. A t you know, right? A yeah, and that's that's definitely problematic. Your gas price is lower. What's the cost of your time? You know. Yeah, I, know I mean, in when you look at it, to fully charge off, you know, to charge up a Tesla, 
it's, you know, eight bucks or something like that. But if you're stopping three times a day to charge up, if you're going across the country now with Tesla's, they go up to like 400 and some miles. So that's still pretty good, but it's going to be better for someone who drives to Detroit and back. So let's say that. Well, and the other thing too is that people don't um, really take into effect, take into account. And I have experienced this firsthand with doing dealer trades for the Bolt is anything real anything over 65 miles an hour your battery drains considerably even if you have no uh, hvac on or or radio on if you're just simply driving there your range depletes like in a a shit ton and the the thing is is that these cars work great in the city center especially with the, the regenerative braking when you're doing moderate acceleration and braking but when you're doing 60 65 miles an hour with cruise control I mean, your range just goes to shit. So that's a that's yeah. An that's issue. not really a problem with Tesla. Well, the thing is, is the vast majority of people who buy EVs and and Teslas, they're not doing lots of freeway driving, or you, their commute is relatively short on the freeway. The most these cars thrive in city center centers. Well, that's, and that's why with, with hybridization too is. You know, they they thrive in the, you know, and that but I mean, it's it's all stuff to think about, you know, especially, you know, like SUVs, you know, like my girlfriend has a Jeep Compass and, you know, we'll go up to the cabins up north and I'm sitting there cruising along, you know, 75 miles an hour going on I-75 up to the tip of the thumb. And uh, we're getting like 20, 21 MPG and this car isn't, you know, it's not fully loaded. It's me and her and, you know, our camping supplies are you know, whatever we're going to cook for the weekend. And, you know, we're getting like 21 MPG and this thing is sitting in like, it's a nine speed transmission and it is sitting in sixth gear at 3,500 RPMs because it's got, you know, this 2.4 liter four cylinder and it makes, you know, probably a whole 200 horsepower and it's got the aerodynamics of a brick. (laughs) It can't keep itself going. So then, you know, I'm, I was confused. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to put this thing in manual mode. I'm going to put it in its tow mode. And I put it in ninth gear. It can't hold 70. It, it couldn't even hold 60 miles an hour on a flat surface in ninth gear. That was FCA. I'm joking. Well, I'm the same thing. We have a, my mom has an edge ST and it's, you yeah. know, it's, it's fun. You know, it's, it's a little, little, little quick, little car or a little bigger car works as an SUV, but, it gets about 21 on the highway and it gets about 19 on the city, 18 to 19 in the city. Well, and it's sort of like, um, you know, the other thing I thought of too is I charge my phone a lot in, in my cruise and with it being a gas car, I don't have to worry about how much electricity I'm using or whatever, which isn't going to be a lot. But when you're looking at a Tesla, it's like, if you plug your phone in, you're depleting your driving ability. I mean, and you know, if you're just going for, you know, a 20 mile drive, then it's not that big of a deal. Cause you can just go home and charge, but there's so many places like right now, one big thing that uh, Marquez Brownlee had talked about was that there's not the infrastructure for it yet. I mean, we yeah, don't that's, have, that's the biggest issue. We don't, I mean, at, at our university, I mean, there are, um, you know, I think, in the parking structure, like maybe five or six chargers. If everybody there had one, we wouldn't, I mean, they'd have to totally redo the parking. I mean, like there's a Baskin Robbins by me and it's like that in a 
Duncans or something like that. I can't really remember. That's but that's the reason why Tesla is thriving how it is, is because they they are willing to put the the money towards supporting their vehicles, which if you're gonna create EVs, you have to support those cars. And that's where the big three are really falling behind, especially GM. Um they're 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 hopping on the, the boat late. Ford kind of got the jump on them. But if you're going to make EVs the way of the future, I need to see charging stations like I do gas stations. And they need to, I, even the quickest of the superchargers, you know, we're still talking about 20, 30 minutes. Well, and there's advantages to this, too, for these companies, because one, if you look at Tesla's earning days, they get a lot. Look, I, I know everybody hears a lot. You know, the regulatory credits that they're getting are not, you know, their main source of income. But, you know, you need to meet EV ratings, and this is how you're going to do it. If you want to build sports cars, you're going to have to have some EVs, too, or you're going to be paying Tesla for their EV rating, which is a zero. You know, you you have to meet these requirements, and it definitely, you know, complex makes things more complex. Well, and, you know, that's the thing where, um, like I said, like um, – so apparently Tesla and Mark has talked about this in his video that um, apparently in t- with Tesla, Elon Musk has said, hey, our chargers are compatible. Like, you know, we're open to letting other companies, other cars use our ports, but the other companies don't want, don't want to. And no, like, because that sets you up into a doggy doggy world where you cross this company and they change other chargers to make them not compatible. Well, it's sort of like, you know, I know. Which is probably illegal. There's probably some mop- monopolization rules against that. But. Well, it's it's just like how Apple, they've been getting all, you know, they've ha- been having to go to court over monopolization, but yet. They- but Google has too, but, you know, that's silly. They didn't, you know, they haven't done any unfair advertising tactics to get a monopolization. Monopolizations have, monopolies happen. It's all about how they happen. That's what the courts Oh, yeah. Doing. Well, it's, you know, like with Apple, you know, they're very closed off. Google's very open with Android. Um, you know, just like how the rumor is the next iPhone's going to have, it's going to be port- one of the next iPhone 13s out of, if they do four models again, one will be portless where you have to use MagSafe charging that the iPhone 12s have now. Um, yeah. Instead of switching to USB-C, like all their other devices have, the iPad Pros and the I- new iPad Air are USB-C. The MacBook, all the MacBooks are USB-C. It's just the phones and all their headphones and earbuds are lightning now, which, okay, like, yeah. you know, I'm happy I don't need, like, with all my new controllers and whatever, I don't need micro USB for anything besides my headset. It's Everything else just... It saying? would just be nice if they were to switch to USB-C. They're slowly doing that, but it's just it's just be nice for them to all switch to USB-C because it is a better way of charging. And it's, it's the funny thing because what they're going to do is they would rather go portless than go USB-C and all the other companies will follow suit. But yeah, it would be nice for them to do that because all their other stuff is, you know, my thing is with Apple stuff, I will pretty much only buy cables from Apple. I've gotten other cables from other companies and they have broken off. Like the lightning connector is broken off into my phone and it's fallen out. But these cables go bad within a week where I have the original cable from my iPhone 10. It still works. Now, I have upgraded to fast charging, and that works awesome with it. But, like, it's stuff like that where, yes, I get that these, you know, car companies want to use their own stuff to kind of incentivize people to use it. Um, But in the case of, you know, still with my iPhone, I can use the same charging brick. I can use the same wireless charger as another phone company. It might not charge my phone as fast as the others, but it still works. You know, well, like 
something else to think about too is especially with you know the circling a little bit back to the automotive stuff and tech you know have you driven many Teslas, Alex? Uh, I've sat inside of them. I've never driven one, but I've been to the okay. Somerset collection and looked at them. But, like, okay, they're cool for, like, the first five times you smash the gas, okay? Like, I've now done, done a P100D and a Model 3 Performance. Um, and my parents, my mom was looking at buying one before we bought the Edge. Um, and uh, it was cool. It's a weird feeling, but... There's, you know, there's no gears. It's quiet. There's no, like, thrill to it. You know what I mean? Like, I've had a, you know, a naturally aspirated V8. And, you know, there's there's a lot of fun with that. And I now have, you know, I'm a, a pretty heavily turbo-reliant car. And there's a lot of cool noises with that, too. And, like, you you lose kind of that, like, fun factor. And, you know, and also it, it becomes, I think, I look at things as, like, safety concerns, too. You know, like, look at, look at what Hellcats did for young people. You have a car now that you can go out and buy with an automatic transmission that makes, you know, 700 crank horsepower. And you can go buy that for like $50,000 new with their rebates. And mm. all you have to do is stab the throttle. Right. Well, and- you know, I mean, you build these crazy, you know, cars and then you expect people to be docile on the road. Well, and, you know, that's that's the thing that I think is the one thing I think and like how you're saying the safety stuff. With it being quiet, you don't know that you're speeding. So I have the 2016 Cruise and a 93 Trans Am. The Trans Am's loud. I mean, I have a harder time speeding in that car because also because the speedometer is saying I'm going, um, if it says I'm going 35, I'm really going 30. Um, so I'm paying attention to that more. Where my Cruise is so quiet, I've been going you know, 45 in a 30 zone before and not really paid attention um, and as soon as I do, I, I you know, hit the brake and, you know, slow down before I see, you know, police or anything, but things like that have happened. Um, and so, you know how back in the day with the turn signal, it was an actual clicking sound and now it's just your speakers making the noise Well, in the Mach-E, <laughs> they're doing that where when you hit the acceleration, there is a mode, um, a thing in the settings where you can make it to where it actually plays a realistic, you know, speed up sound where you know hey i'm speeding up a bit more like it's kind of giving you that warning see i think that like because i i i had been a speeder and i'm you know i don't have like a bad driving record i have a couple tickets but they're they're all you know one to five over they're they're very small violations of you know but i i got rid of the challenger because i realized you know it was causing you know having a, a nice red challenger does not get me any warnings and you know, for my oral board reviews, I don't want to sit here and talk about my tickets for 10 minutes. You know, I, I'd like to be able to <laughs> enforce the laws and practicing them, too. Mm-hmm. And I find that having the, the six speed in my ST is, you know, I know the gearing really well in the car now. Now I've had it for a little over a month and a half. No, I think I'm coming up on two months now. Yeah, two months. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I know, like. If I, you know, first gear, I try to get out of first as possible because there's a safety feature where my car doesn't make boost in first gear. So first gear feels like I'm falling flat on my face. So I get it into second. I can take second about to like 30 miles an hour and then I take third up to 40 and then I use fourth just to jump me up into like the 47 range if I'm, you know, going to be in a 40 or 45 and then I go from fourth to sixth and I'm, you know, at whatever speed I need to be. I think that there's it's it's better than just, you know, having an auto car where, you know, Brendan knows what I'm talking about with his P100 
parents Camaro. You know, you just punch that thing and it goes. You know, there's no yeah. You get you don't have to downshift. You don't have to do anything. You just stab the gas and you're gone. Yeah. You get to that speed limit real quick. For me, I'm like, man, I'd love to open my car up, but man, that means I got to go down in a couple of gears. I don't really want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot of work. There's traffic up there. I'm just going to not speed. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's the thing is, you know, I I definitely, I mean, I've been pulled over one time and it was out in like Bloomfield. I was going down a road where it was kind of almost kind of back roads to a, a cider mill with a girl I was going out with last year. And um, it's one of those roads where it's 45 and then all of a sudden it drops down to 30. Well, I didn't see the sign that it said 30, but my, I was using Apple maps and it'll show what the speed limit is. And sometimes it changes. Yeah. Um, and a p- officer was sitting there and pulled me over and he was like, Oh, you know, I'm just going to, you know, give you a, a warning. Well, you know, but it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I mean, I, I should have been paying attention more, but it was sort of like, really, you know, it just dropped down to 30 miles an hour. Like, and it's kind of the back roads where, like, when I've been up in Canada, um, and there's just some of the back roads even here in the country roads where there really aren't any speed signs, people tend to speed. You know, it's just, it's, you know, if there's nowhere, you know, you're not around a ton of traffic. Look, I, got a, I got pulled over up in Port Austin. Brendan was in the car, and I was doing 80 miles an hour in a 55, and I got a warning. You know, and, you know, I talked it up with him. He was really mad at first, but we were laughing. We were best buds at the end of that stop because, you know, I can charm him. But, like, my last ticket... It, it made me so upset that I sold the car because I got pulled over. I was driving my girlfriend home from the bar. It's a 25 where I was at. And I know that there's this tunnel and I thought the speed limit changed after the tunnel. So I, you know, I got the nice car out, punched the, punched it under the tunnel, slowed down to like five and punched it up to 40. And I see the cop right out there. So I instantly break. Cause I'm like, I know I must be doing something wrong. And he pulls out. I'm like, Oh good. I'm getting pulled over. And then, um, he pulls me over. He's like, yeah, I saw you like flare your speed up and then go back down. And I was like, yeah, you know, I like how it sounds under the tunnel. And uh, he's like, yeah, not a good place to speed. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like, I don't right. know what to tell you. Like, sorry, you know. Well, and, you know, that's, I mean, that's a dangerous thing. I mean, like with the Trans Am, it's got really dark tinted windows. Um, It's loud. And so, like, I've been very careful where I live. I've driven around and I've had a police car behind me, but they've never, you know, flared their lights or anything. It's, you know, I was being a respectful driver in a car that probably makes me look like a douche. Um, well, that's, that's why I, bought you. I felt like it looked kind of like a bag of dicks in that Challenger from time to time. Well, that, you know, that's the and thing. I hated it in the winter. I hated it in the winter. Like, I could drive it in the winter, but I knew I looked stupid. Well, it's like the thing where when you hear a car rubbing, people will say, oh, it's, you know, you got a small dick because, you know, it's you're compensating, like stuff like that. Like, well, I mean, I mean, those two things aren't related for me. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, though, is, you know, you're there. There is that kind of stuff where, hey, like when I was in high school, there were all these guys who were douches and they had lifted trucks. Like that was kind of the douchey thing. No, I mean, my situation was, I just had, I just make more money. I, I, I did my tax return and it says like my, my wage is like, I'm in like the top, like 5% for my age group. Being that most of them are college students, but like your average job around here is like 10, 10 to $12 an hour. Yeah. And that's without where I get, I get paid time off. I get vacation pay. I get monthly bonuses. I get a six month bonus. I get a yearly profit sharing bonus. You know, and I get, you know, hazard pay. I got a COVID relief bonus. 
you know, I just, and they're, and they're awesome to work for. Like it's probably like I had a job. I had many, I've applied to many jobs while I've been working here. Even when I was, I called my other bank, I was paying off a credit card bill. He's like, Oh yeah, I see you work at, you know, this place. He's like, you know, a lot of your skills would transfer over. You want to, you want to, you know, put an application work here. I can, I'm a manager here. I can definitely get you hired. And I was like, Oh yeah, what's your start paying? It's like, it's like 15% lower. I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. And you know, the thing too, is with us being college age, a lot of places are kind of like, well, you know, they're in college, anything, you know, money's money to them. You know, they're going to try and pay us, you know, basically dirt, you know, and a lot of people will take it because college age people need money. And, you know, if you're working and going to school, it's kind of like anything helps, but you know, it's kind of one of those things where it is almost good no matter where you are. Even if you're happy where the place is, is to always be looking because you can lose your job at any minute and not know. And if well, you're not, I, I have some pretty good job security where I'm at. Um, like I it'd be very unlikely for me to even in like COVID because I'm able to work from home. Like I haven't been in the office now for like a month and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and like the people I work with, it's unbelievable. Like, so I'm like right next door to our VPs and like, I will, you know, have lunch with the CFO from time to time. And like, it is just a very tight knit. Um, like my CEO is like a out public lesbian and it is awesome. You know, like she is a very powerful woman. And I think that like, it's super cool how down to earth my leadership is because that's the biggest problem I've had is like, you know, everybody just cares about themselves. And I, I genuinely feel that my managers care for me. So like recently my grandma passed away and I only told my manager so that she knows that I'm not like, I don't want them, you know, to think that I would, because I told her that she was getting sick. So I wanted to let her know it had concluded so that I don't use it later on as some excuse to not work. And they sent me like a whole, like, think, uh, you know, like sympathy card from my, from from my current employer, because I, I got promoted. So from my, my old like branch team sent me a sympathy card and I got a sympathy card for my current workers. And I, on top of that, I got Christmas cards from both of them and like a personalized Christmas card for my boss. Like there's, there's few places where I've, you know, I've, I've never felt like that. Like a, we'll call it base level position where I'm like taken care of. Like they genuinely care about you. Like my CEO has reached out to me like, Hey, this was an awesome loan that you got. This is so cool. They wrote a review. I'm going to put an email about it. Is there anything you want me to say? Like how many, you know, companies can you work for where that kind of stuff happens? You know, well, and, you know, when I, so I've worked for Amazon and, you know, when I worked for them, um, you know, and I will fully kind of shit talk working there cause it was, it was rough. You know, the managers there talked down to you. I mean, they treated you like you were worthless because you were another cog in the machine. I mean, you were working for a mega corporation a robot if they could and then i went to work for a home improvement store where i had helped set up the store um so i was there from day zero before we had even officially opened um it's a chain and later on i got a new position um after being there for about seven months i became a part of a new team which was um i became an overstock auditor for the store and so I worked hand in hand with all the managers and I'd already had pretty good relationships with them all because almost all of our managers were, I mean, our oldest. So a lot of the assistant managers were um, older than the managers themselves. So I think our oldest actual manager was like 55. 
Um, second one was in his late forties and then the rest were in their twenties with their assistants being anywhere from being in their, uh, forties to like sixties. Um, our mm-hmm. oldest general manager was like 35. And so a lot yeah. of us were pretty young. We grew up with a lot of the same stuff and we all got along really good. I mean, I was never really afraid to talk to them about anything. There were some issues with the Overstock team when we first started, but we ironed them out and everything, you know, started flowing better. But it was like what you're saying, where you felt like you were a family. I mean, we did a potluck the day after Thanksgiving because they had us all working the day after Thanksgiving. And it was, you know, we were all in it together. For some of us, it was our first time in retail. I mean, it was my first retail job because the other job I tried applying for said, hey, you need six at least six months of experience. Well, I couldn't get a, that experience because no one would hire me for retail. Yeah, everybody, everybody wants experience, but no one wants to give it. Right. And, you know, that's some of the problems that I had. So, yeah. like, I... Uh, the only one that I didn't get an offer for was uh, the Farmington area uh, cadet program. And I got beat out by somebody who was already going into the academy and they already had a degree and they were older than me. So like, and it made sense, you know, I would pick that person because they have more potential than I do at that moment. And you need to, you know, pick for the now you shouldn't bet on something, you know, years in ahead or a year, a year ahead. But like the problem is, you know, like the pay and like, I don't know if I'm going to work for these places long term. And I started, you know, talking to like, you know, lieutenants and stuff. And they're like, yeah, I wouldn't take those jobs if, you know, cause you're, unless you're getting sponsorship to your Academy because you just don't know who you're going to get beat out by, you know, like there's a lot of open police jobs. Like if you go and look, there's like 300 in, in the Oakland County area where I am. So like, I'm not worried about getting employment or anything, but I'm definitely going to like miss my old job, you know? Not that I prefer it, but, like, I'm going to have, like, some form of tight-knit community when I'm an officer, but it's not going to be right away, and it's not going to be the same. Oh, I mean, and, you know, that's, I mean, this thing is, you know, as much as, you know, I, I mean, I do miss working the place at the, um, you know, I worked retail, and it was fun. I mean, you definitely still dealt with the people who were kind of assholes and whatever, because they're going to take out their bad days, but there were people who, you know, I liked helping and I could see them multiple times. They'd remember me. They'd ask specifically to like see me and, you know, basically because they were very thankful that I was helping them and whatever. And it was, you know, it was my job. I was happy to help people. I was happy. I mean, when I was working hands-on with the managers, you know, they told me their life stories, you know, how they started off at the company, all that kind of stuff. And you get that close bond where, you know, when you work somewhere new, it's just like, being in our new relationship or using online dating, you go through that talking phase. And for me, you know, you know, from, you know, just meeting you today, Marcus, like, you know, it it usually takes me a little while to open up to someone where like, you know, I'll start swearing around them or whatever, because I don't know what someone's comfortable with. I have to size them up and working retail where I'm only around people, you know, four to eight hours a day. Um, you, you know, it took me a little while and, you know, there was also the turnaround where people were leaving and new people would come in. So, you know, it took a little while to, you know, get used to some people. And once you do, you get that close bond and it's, you know, and also when you're working your first couple of jobs, it's not a super pro- professional area. Now, when yeah, you're working so- as an officer, it's going to be a lot more professional, but you're still going to get tight knit, maybe not as tight knit as you are with the people now. No, no, no. It'll probably be more tight knit. It's just going to take longer because that's going to be, you know, a lifeline dependency. You know, it's a shift based system. You have family members in there in the service. So like you, 
it's shift based system. So I'm going to be working with probably the same, you know, 10 to 15 people back to back for years on end, you know, and yeah. that's how it is. I have, I have one coworker in my department. Like I'm in a very competitive department in my company. Like when I applied for it, it there was, there was 17 other applicants for yeah. internal applicants for a part-time position, you know, which is, you know, a little odd. Cause usually those are done externally. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I definitely competed for this spot and I can tell you as like a college student, I don't work weekends. Mm-hmm. I have a set schedule. I can just... change my schedule next week. I don't ever have to use my time off and I can cash it in at the end of the year. I have 40 hours of paid time off that I'm going to cash in at my hourly wage. You know, which is, there's few people that can do that at my age. Right. And that's awesome because my girlfriend loves to travel. My parents have a timeshare. And we take vacations. We go up north. What do you think, Brendan? How many times am I up north? Probably, you know, once, at least once to twice a month I'm up north. Easily, yeah. And, you know, we're, we like to travel and go do things on the weekends. You know, I work all week. I get my schoolwork done. And I disappear for the weekends, you know. Like we had me and Brendan, we had a huge group up at the cabin up north uh, for the 4th of July, had a great time. You know, and like I look back at my retail days and I'm like, wow, I never could have done all this. I was so held back by my like work life and my bad personal decisions. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's almost freeing and I'm capitalizing now because when I'm an officer that, you know, that's going to disappear some where I'm not going to be able to hang out with everyone at every minute. It's going on midnight, guys. I think what we're probably at this for like two hours. Uh, an hour and a half. Hour and a half. Sorry. So yeah, I think this is a good first episode. So uh, you know, thank you for listening. And what'd you say? It's kind of going all over the place, really. But but that's. I mean, this is also the first episode, and you know. Yeah, getting... we can formulate more topics and organize it into shorter episodes. We probably spent like three hours doing this total. You know, oh yeah, we spent more. probably about three hours in total. But yeah, you know, yeah. thank you for listening, and you know, if people are listening to this, give us some feedback on kind of what you'd like to see, and you know, we're gonna we'll, try to come up good. with like a schedule. Um, this is something we can talk about later, but we'll try to come up with something. Sure, yeah.